Truth News Network. You ever get the idea Rod Serling was standing behind you saying, I don't believe this. The world is upside down, and you need a helmsman who can steer the shifting currents. You need the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. You need Dan Newman. Wow. Welcome to TNN Live, our Friday edition. And boy, do we have a big show for you today. Joining us is Roger Stone. Wait a minute, you say. The Roger Stone is going to be on TNN Live? Yes, he is. As a matter of fact, he's on hold. He's waiting. He's chomping at the bits to get on here and tell you a lot of things that you don't know. Well, some of you who don't know, who the heck is Roger Stone? Well, he's a seasoned political operative. He's a speaker. He's a pundit. Besides that, he's a New York Times bestselling author, featured in the Netflix documentary, Get Me Roger Stone. He's been a veteran of 11 national presidential campaigns, folks. He's been around a long time. He served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents, Nixon, Reagan, and, of course, Donald Trump. He was indicted on some fabricated charges in what's been now discredited, that Mueller witch hunt. And Roger was subjected to a Soviet-style show trial in D.C. in which his first, fourth, and sixth amendment rights were violated by a judge. He was sentenced, but his sentence was commuted by former President Donald Trump. That was an act of justice and mercy. That happened back on July 10th of 2020. Uh, He's not a Republican, folks. A lot of people don't know that. He's a libertarian. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. Then there's The Clinton's War on Women, The Bush Crime Family, and the making of the president 2016, how Donald Trump orchestrated a revolution. Roger, he's published all over the place. He's written for Fox Opinion, InfoWars, Breitbart News, Stone Zone, The Daily Caller, and The New York Times. And now he's here with us today on TNN Live. Roger, I want to say welcome in. We're going to dispense with all the uh, niceties going into this thing, and let's just get right to it. What? the heck and who was doing all this stuff to you back in Washington, D.C. Tell us a story. Robert Mueller and Congressman Adam Schiff, and by the grace of God, uh, as you know, uh, President Donald Trump had the courage and the strength to recognize the frame job they did on me, the uh, vile Trump-hating judge, the corrupt jury forewoman who lies about her uh, attitude and knowledge of me uh, in jury selection who's actually been attacking me on Facebook and Twitter in 2019 by name in regards to the very case that she's later selected as a juror for. She has them on a private setting during jury selection and the trial and then she quietly deletes them around Thanksgiving. The jury was carefully rigged. I mean, it is impossible, Dan, even for a D.C. jury to contain not a single military veteran, not a single Roman Catholic, not a single uh, African-American male, uh, uh, not a single Republican, not a single uh, independent or nonpartisan, not a single Green Party member. Uh, 
but but a a solid block of Trump hating Democrats, and then the prosecutors. We would learn after the case, and the judge withheld the the redacted sections of Robert Mueller's special counsel's report, which incredibly, the U.S. Department of Justice releases this. November 3rd, 2020, only months ago. In other words, at the last general election at midnight. Now, you've been in this business a long time, Dan. Who puts out a press release at midnight? Nobody. On the busiest, meatiest day of the year. Nobody. Election day. Somebody wants to bury the the coverage, and they do. Mueller is forced by a federal judge to admit in his final report that he had, quote, no factual evidence against me regarding Russian collusion WikiLeaks collaboration or anything to do with John Podesta's Fakakta uh, embarrassing, evidently authentic emails being fished and published, which I know nothing about until they're published. Wow. As I have said. So they admit that they destroyed my life. They, they, they drove me into a poverty. I lost my home, my savings. I may lose my wife. Uh, I'm stunned that after being my rocket trial, the most steady, sober, loving, judicious, long-tempered women in the entire world, uh, shockingly, who lives a very healthy lifestyle, has never smoked, eats carefully and sparingly, exercises, very into you know vitamin supplements and herbs, is diagnosed with stage four cancer, like out of the blue. Uh, and this is more shocking by the fact that she had a physical in February uh, because she had to have a slight repair done on a knee that she had replaced. And her blood work and her x-rays, uh, MRI showed she was in perfect health. By May, they tell us she had uh, aggressive stage four cancer. So, uh, you know, after being uh, essentially vilified, smeared, uh, 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 framed, uh, gagged, lynched, threatened, terrorized, uh, ultimately spied on illegally by the government, uh, and put through a Soviet-style show trial in which I believe the judge violated my first, uh, fourth, and sixth amendment rights, uh, it is stunning in its in its uh, falsity. Mueller files a motion that the Roger Stone case must be heard by the same judge who has been assigned the so-called Russian hackers case, a case that he brought, a case to which he's never been able to provide evidence because it's never even gone to discovery, a case that will never be tried because... The, Ru the Russians that he alleges are uh, intelligence assets, who he says have broken U.S. law, are not returning to the United States for trial. Uh, so he says that search warrant in that case turned up evidence that he would be introducing against me in my trial. No such evidence is ever produced at trial. He's been allowed to judge shop to ensure this case got before the same woman who uh, sat on the Manafort case, 
uh, and uh, who, you know, is quite obvious in her disdain for Donald J. Trump. So, uh, Roger, let's do this. Let's circle back. Jen Psaki's yes. term. Let's circle back for just a, just a moment. Let, yep. I want everybody to make sure they understand where you've come from. You're not sure. a you're I'm, not a I'm, novice I'm, at any of this stuff. No, 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 no. I'm I'm happy to say that it is kind of interesting because on the day I was arrested, if you read the front page story in the New York Times, you would have thought that I just popped out of Donald Trump's asshole. <laughs> I mean, the, the, there's no there's no respect for the fact that I have I'm a veteran of eleven national presidential campaigns. That would be ten Republican campaigns and one Libertarian campaign for my friend Governor Gary Johnson in his first bid uh, for president. Uh, I have worked for three Republican presidents, uh, four if you count the party duty I did for the Bushes in the recount, but as you know, I've never been a Bush Republican, and I'm the author of the book, The Bush Crime Family, which uh, which is a, a barn burner, to say the least. Uh, and uh, it is uh, it, it is uh, through that lens that I've written five books, all of them bestsellers, but my first book, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, in which I use fingerprint evidence, eyewitness evidence, deep Texas politics, uh, and an enormous amount of coincidental uh, but but uh, but significant information to make the case that Lyndon Baines Johnson had the motive, means, and opportunity. Indeed, he leaves his fingerprints everywhere. Uh, and Cui Bono, who benefits? No one better fitted better than LBJ, who not only narrowly avoided prison in the Bobby Baker and Billy Sal Estes scandals, two uh, epic financial scandals that Johnson had gotten himself embroiled in as Senate majority leader were on the cusp of sending him to prison. Uh, we know, for example, that Drew Pearson, the most powerful and probably uh, uh, influential columnist of the day, has a column written for publication on Sunday, November 23rd, that charges Johnson with taking a bribe in a general dynamics defense uh, appropriation deal. Johnson knows that it's curtains. Uh, that column is spiked after JFK is tragically murdered and Lyndon Johnson rises to the presidency. So uh, he is, he, I make the case, I think, in a compelling way. I say I'm not a lawyer, but I ask anybody, rather than just reject the premise, uh, read the book. Now, in the JFK research community, I have enormous respect for the researchers and authors who went long before me and long before there was an internet. Uh, and those who say uh, organized crime was responsible for the murder of John Kennedy, they, they are not, they're not incorrect. And those who say, no, it was the intelligence agencies, the, the CIA, the deep state, well, they're also correct. Others say it was big Texas oil because JFK was repealing the oil depletion allowance, uh, and uh, you know uh, that was going to cost them billions. In any event, I'm proud of my books. But the thing I guess I'm proudest of is I think, other than President, former President Richard Nixon, uh, I was uh, probably the earliest uh, progenitor and advocate of the idea of Donald Trump 
for president. How, how I did, saw as early as 1988, I met him in the Reagan campaign. He was a strong uh, supporter of Reagan. He and his father were on the Reagan Finance Committee. I was handling New York for Reagan at the time. We carried the state in three-way race uh, because John Anderson uh, had stayed on the ballot as the Liberal Party candidate for a three-way split of the vote, and Reagan won New York. That's a long story we probably don't have time for. But uh, I guess uh, the point here is that Nixon met Trump at George Steinbrenner's box at Yankee Stadium. This is in the late, about 1989, in that period, I think. And uh, he knows that I am friendly with Trump from uh, Trump's support of Reagan. Uh, And he says to me, well, he says, I met your man yesterday. I said, yes, Mr. President, what do you think? Let me tell you this, that guy's got it. He's really got it. And I said, you really liked him. And he said, if he ever got into politics, I'm telling you, he could go all the way. That's kind of the first guy to see it. Then shortly after that, in 1988, I was in Donald's office. We were just kind of chewing the fat and stumbling through newspapers. And he says, Dukakis, Michael Dukakis and George Bush, is that the best we can do? Uh, he thinks he thinks Bush is a, a weak fish, as he would put it. Uh, and uh, I said, well, there is somebody better. And he said, who's that? And I said, well, how about you? And he said, and I quote, you're out of your mind. <laughs> but he, he was fascinated by the idea. We subsequently made a trip to New Hampshire. I got the Portsmouth Chamber of Commerce to invite him to give a wide-ranging speech. Uh, he went up there with no talking points from me. But it was it's pure Trumpism. He talks about the ripoff of our trade deals. And this is pre-NAFTA. He talks about why our allies are not paying their fair share in NATO. I mean, it's just it, he talks about bureaucrats and idiots making bad decisions and running government. Uh, he talks about how the Chinese send killers to the negotiation table and we send social workers. One of his great lines. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, and I think it is because of that 40 year relationship. I mean, the Donald, the president. Uh, not at the time, but we called him the Donald, was at my wedding. I was at his uh, wedding to both uh, Marla Maples, and I also was there when he married the stunning first lady, Melania, as he was saying. Uh, And they're both uh, wonderful women. Uh, It is very interesting that Marla has kind of engaged herself in the uh, anti-vaccination movement, uh, where many, many citizens are questioning the safety of all vaccinations, but particularly the COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, I have been a critic of vaccinations. I have a very high regard uh, for Robert Kennedy Jr., Bobby Kennedy, who I like enormously, who I think is a very honest uh, uh, and uh, true-spoken guy who is, you know, uh, even encountered the opposition of his own family as he tries to, to make a very good case that that autism uh, appears to have connections to some vaccinations. And I've always thought that it was not particularly the vaccination itself, but more precisely the things like mercury that they use in the vaccination because it's cheap uh, that may be harming health. I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate for health freedom. I think uh, although the president 
continues to push a vaccination that I am skeptical of. What I like is that he says it must be everyone's choice. It can't be mandatory. Each person must choose. I think that's the more important thing the president is saying. Let's um, let's do something. Let's kind of circle back just a little bit. I'm going to do that yeah. one more time. Let me ask you this. You, you've been in the center of things. You're, you're from Connecticut originally. You grew up in the yes. circle of power in New York and D.C. And you've been around the block a number of times. As you said, 11 presidential campaigns you were actively involved in. Um, you mentioned one book that you wrote. You also wrote The Man Who Killed Kennedy, uh, The Clinton's War on Women, The Bush Crime Family, which you mentioned, and The Making of the President 2016. So you're seen everywhere. Um, but today's media don't paint a very good picture about Roger Stone. And I want to ask you this. We, we talked for a good, good long time last Saturday and we got to share and I got to dig in a little bit to, uh, where you are in your thinking about everything that you've been through. First of all, let me applaud you. Not many people could get through what you got through you and your wife, both on a national, international stage like you did and be able to stand here and still be standing here. And I know you're really going through it, that you've been just excoriated in every possible way and it's destroyed your financial foundation that you had worked so many years, you and your wife, to build. I know that. Well, just the, just the cost of defending yourself against a government with unlimited resources. I mean, Mueller has uh, teams of lawyers, hundreds of lawyers, all of them from Harvard and Yale, and uh, he has an unlimited budget, and he's given unprecedented sweeping authority as a special counsel that's never been given previously because the special counsel law has expired, and therefore they're faking it. Uh, he can look at anything, anywhere, which is why he ultimately indicts Paul Manafort for things that have nothing to do with Donald Trump or Russian collusion, pure torture. Gotcha. And he essentially revives charges that evidently the DOJ looked at 15 years ago and concluded there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute Manafort for a crime. But they revived those charges. Right. Uh, and But you hit the most important point, is that in my case, the judge ordered a, a gag on me prior to my being convicted during the trial and during the run-up to the trial on the argument that my defending myself might somehow uh, taint the pool of jurors in D.C., potential jurors in D.C. Roger, explain... As CNN and MSNBC pissing on me every day and night was not going to taint the jury. And, ex, ex, explain. And, and let, me go, go ahead. let me go a step go ahead. further. Go ahead. It wasn't just me that was gagged. The judge gagged every member of my family, my daughter, my son, my wife, my cousins, gagged. That's unconstitutional. Uh, so I appealed immediately to the D.C. Circuit. And then I figured out how things in D.C. work. It was a simple First Amendment case. It wasn't a complicated case, but the court sat on it for 90 days while I was bleeding to death, while CNN was calling me a Russian collaborator, while MSNBC said I worked with the Russians, while, while uh, the Daily Beast insisted that I had passed information from WikiLeaks to the Trump campaign, all false. 
but my hands were tied. I was going to a lynching, but they gag you first, so you go quietly. It was the most frustrating thing uh, I've ever been through. Uh, and, uh, you know, Roger Stone can't talk. He's like that runner. What's his name? Bolt. Uh, it, you know, it's in my blood. So uh, it, it is uh, it, it is really why uh, I even I am shocked at the ferocity at which the media, including some formerly, there are no friends in politics, but formerly people with whom I had a relationship and in many cases had been helpful to just turn on you. So I'm talking about reporters who I helped with stories, some cases helped their kids get into a school, in other places uh, helped them uh, look for a job. I mean, people who I thought were honest journalists and there was a time in Washington and in New York when when journalists actually had to have two confirming sources and journalists had to call a person prior to reporting on them to give them a chance to respond. Uh, and, and a real journalist would not publish a piece that was all background quotes but no names. But all of those things are out the window. There were at one time journalists who were not liberals or conservatives, not right, left, or center, or if they were, actually didn't let their personal politics get in the way of the job of, uh, of getting the information, sourcing it, reporting it accurately uh, and uh, without bias, and going home. Uh, there were journalists like that. My friend and my brother in Christ, uh, Sean Hannity uh, is absolutely right when he says journalism is dead in America. What you have now is a corporate pack of hyenas. Uh, and here's how the news cycle works. This is very important to understand. Twitter, it, since, the, since the time that I was banned in 2017, has become a cesspool. And with the banning and deplatforming of patriots and conservatives and Roger Stone, it's become extraordinarily toxic. If you look up my name, which I tell my children and grandchildren not to do unless they want to get upset, horrific things are said about me. And for some reason, leftists are obsessed with the shape of my head, <laughs> which makes for a lot of really vile cartoons. Most of what, many of which I'm republishing in my upcoming book. Wow. Uh, Roger Stone uh, will have yet another title. Which one is called Roger Stone Did Nothing Wrong? My Political Persecution and the Loss of the 2020 Election. I mean, I was taken off the battlefield. I think that was a major purpose of this bogus uh, 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 indictment for quote unquote lying to Congress. In order to lie to Congress, uh, your statement doesn't just have to be untrue. It has to be material, and there has to be some motive for you to lie about it. Mueller admitted in his final report, I'm not involved with the Russians or WikiLeaks or Podesta's mail. So what's my motive to lie? I have none. That's why they withheld that from us at trial, because it, it undercuts their entire case. Uh, it, it's the most vile uh, 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 abuse of process I've seen. The other thing that's interesting is that 
when they go to a judge to get the search warrants for all my computers and my home and so on, they list a, they say they have probable cause for uh, treason, uh, multi-million dollar money laundering, conspiracy against the United States, uh, wire fraud, mail fraud, uh, aiding and abetting a felony, and so on. They bring none of those charges because they find no evidence of those charges, which means they never had probable cause to bring those charges. But here's the problem. They read it on Twitter. So when Twitter becomes toxic and when Twitter reaches uh, a crescendo on any outrageous and outlandish leftist idea, the people who worked at the Washington Post and the New York Times take notice. Now, it's important to understand that both at the Post and the Times, while newspapers don't make money anymore, 80% of the content produced by the current Washington Post staff, and they have 200 people working on their online edition, 200 reporters, uh, only, 80 per, only 20% of that is being published in the daily newspaper, and the other 80% is being published solely online which is extraordinarily profitable. So both companies are making far more money in digital than they ever made in newspapers. But they are part of the same, the same blogosphere and Twitter. So a crazy idea, let's say critical race theory, reaches critical mass on Twitter, then those in government, A, believe everything that said to be truth, like Roger Stone, predicted the, you know, Roger Stone predicted the theft of John Podesta's emails. No, I didn't. And not even close. Uh, but, it, but it becomes an article of faith. And what I learned is, it's not just, it's not just uh, the, the American people or those crazed individuals on the left, but prosecutors and judges begin to believe it. And then they're shocked when they can't find any evidence of it. In my case, Mueller spent tens of millions of dollars, had a vicious team of Clinton uh, alum, uh, uh, one of Clinton's counselors at the State Department is a prosecutor. Uh, the woman who leads my prosecution represented Hillary in the stolen, pardon me, in the uh, illegal email server missing email case. At my sentencing, where the judge gives me a 55-minute dressing down in which she misstates several facts among them she says you've been convicted you've been convicted of covering up for Donald Trump no that was not among the charges and that is not what I was convicted of even in the kangaroo court she also says that my insistence that the Mueller investigation is legitimate is outrageous which of course we now know based on declassified documents and the collapse of their whole narrative and our realization that their evidence on which they based the whole Mueller witch hunt was a fabricated dossier and that was almost certainly first uh, commissioned by Marco Rubio and ultimately purchased by Hillary Clinton. Uh, and unfortunately, it's all false. Uh, and, and the problem here is that the people in the Mueller investigation were at DOJ and the FBI they know the province of it, and they know that it has already been discredited inside the Justice Department, but they use it as their basis anyway. Uh, it, is the, it is the greatest political scandal in American history. It is nothing short of 
the use of the full authority and the extraordinary capability of the intelligence community for the strictly political purposes of defeating Donald Trump and or removing him from office after he becomes the duly elected president. But Roger, they didn't stop on you. I mean, no, in, in I, the context. That, that, well, first of all, I think uh, let's put it in context. It is only through the grace of God that my wife and I survived. Amen. At a certain point, at a certain point, I hit rock bottom. It was clear to me that I was not going to get my day in court. That this was a rigged process. I couldn't even comment and defend myself. If I went out and I had a hamburger, it was outstanding. I took a picture of it and put it up on Instagram. I would go to prison instantly. She would have me sent. And remember, she let Paul Manafort, prior to ever being convicted of any crime, she let him rot in jail for the entire period prior to his trial because Mueller wanted that. Uh, even some of the judges there thought that was unconstitutional. The gag on me was unconstitutional. Uh, it was literally a, a lynching. And I, I, saw, I was worried. I was scared. I was fearful for my wife. Uh, I was... Uh, I was uh, Outraged. I was furious. Uh, I was broke because I, we lost our home. We lost our savings. I had put a little fund aside from the sale of my five books that was supposed to be a dedicated college fund for my grandchildren. Didn't have a lot in it, but we ended up liquidating it. My wife didn't have a lot of jewelry, but she kept only her wedding ring. She sold some other pieces. Some of them had been things given to her by her mother. Uh, I've never been a big jewelry guy. I read my book, Stone's Rules. I, you know, cufflinks should not be the size of coffee grinders, in my view. <laughs> uh, but in any event, uh, uh, it is uh, it is extraordinary. Uh, but there is no question in my mind that in this darkness, I took the solid advice of of uh, a number of pastors, but but most specifically of Reverend Franklin Graham. Uh, I had seen his father, Billy Graham, when I was 12 years old, when uh, my grandmother, uh, who, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather were both worked for these very, this very, very wealthy family in Darien, Connecticut. And their estate was like uh, quite extraordinary. My grandfather was their chauffeur and my, and my, uh, my grandmother was their housekeeper. The cook in the house was a follower of Billy Graham's crusade. She was a close friend of my grandmother's. We called her Aunt Ida, although she was not really my aunt. I thought of her as my aunt. Uh, and she asked my parents if I could go to the Billy Graham crusade, which is in a, was in a tent on this sweltering night in, in the summer of I think 1963 or so, uh, I believe. Uh, and uh, I remember how mesmerized I was by the spectacle of it and the and the power of his oratory. It was he was he was clearly one of the greatest men of the 20th century. And agreed, then agreed. Then go fast forward when I was working for former uh, then President Nixon uh, in Key Biscayne. I drew the assignment of picking Billy Graham up in a uh, in a golf cart at the old pink Hilton Hotel there in Cuba Biscayne, now gone, uh, and taking him to the Nixon compound, which was not a compound like the Kennedy compound, but like a flat kind of 
pretty ordinary, understated house. Uh, they always made it sound like Nixon lived palatially, but that was never the case. Fast forward a little bit. Trump doesn't get the victory in the election last November. January 6th rolls around and we all watched what played out at the Capitol. We were given, I mean, unbelievably incorrect information day after day. We're still given that. But in the well, middle of well, all of that, no, they no, weren't... Is it, is it just coincidental or, or did the same people who insisted for two and a half years that I was a traitor a Russian spy, a WikiLeaks collaborator, that I had somehow passed something from WikiLeaks to Trump campaign, those same people are now is insisting using complete uh, an effective use of the technique of guilt by association uh, in a totally malicious way to imply that I somehow am involved in the illegal acts of January 6th. I have stated categorically that that is false. There is no evidence to the contrary because it is simply not true. I wasn't there, and I have no knowledge uh, of uh, any effort to uh, to storm the uh, Capitol by anyone. But I also never urged anyone to hurt anyone else on January 6th at the Capitol or anywhere else at any time. Uh, I have uh, I did speak at two legally permitted events on the fifth. You can go on YouTube and watch both of my speeches. I don't call for violence or lawlessness or insurrection. I call for uh, everything I say is within my First Amendment rights. Uh, there's a uh, as someone who's been you know in the corroded rectum of the two-party system for thirty years. I've never seen this level of anomalies, irregularities, and, and uh, I don't know, indications uh, that something is not correct uh, in this many states. I do think it, it, it is significant enough to have merited greater examination, but no court and no state legislature was really willing to do that. Uh, and and it is just not possible, you know, for Pennsylvania to mail out these are euphemistic numbers, but you know, one point two absent million absentee ballots and get one point nine back. I mean, uh, there are just a lot. There are precincts in Philadelphia where more people voted than are registered to vote. How is that possible? Uh, the late the the mail-in ballot. Uh, is really the avenue of the greatest fraud. That's why we were opposed to putting it in place anyway. But the real question is, were the people at the Republican National Committee so busy counting money that they didn't see the Democrats systematically going into every state that mattered, going into the legislatures or going into the governor's chambers or the attorney general's chambers, uh, and working effectively to loosen the election laws, making their next act easier, fraud. Uh, and the Republicans do nothing to counter this. They don't have, they don't have any legal uh, you know, ballot security operation to ensure that, uh, that there's no traditional voter fraud of the common type people voting more than once, people voting in the names of others, people who are dead voting, uh, 
people, um, uh, you know, basically gathering absentee ballots, uh, people going into the nursing homes and certain hospital facilities and helping seniors fill out their ballot. Uh, those things are now illegal in Florida. But also to look for, you know, cyber theft, cyber manipulation of the of the numbers. I mean, the United States government surely has the technology to do that because we have actively done it in foreign elections uh, under the guise of intelligence to make sure that our friends win. So if we can do it there, we can do it here. Uh, again, uh, I I think that uh, that Donald Trump was handicapped tremendously, stylistically, by the COVID-19 lockdowns and restrictions. Donald Trump needs a crowd. Donald Trump, who's not on the road hammering Democrats to enormous crowds, is not the best uh, use of the candidate. I would make I'd make another point. The campaign raised one billion dollars. One billion. Traditionally, and I have handled campaigns at all levels of politics, from the state senate all the way to the presidency. But it doesn't matter whether you're running for the county commission or you're running for the state senate, you're running for Congress, or you're running for the Senate, you're running for governor, you're running for president of the United States. 80% of what you raise must go to voter communications. Now that could be you know, network TV, cable TV, digital ads, voter mailings, uh, voicemails, texts, some, or some combination of all of those, or maybe just one of them, but still 80% of your resources must go there to be able to communicate multiple messages and have the money for paid media to do it. And then 20% of your budget is to go for overhead, staffing, consultants, travel, so on. The Trump campaign is in the inverse. 20% of their assets go to digital or any communications with voters and 80% of their money is essentially, as they used to say, pissed away. The, there are, the consultants have consultants. Uh, we're paying for limousine services. I mean, they're just, it is, it is the war chest is, is essentially squandered, but it doesn't matter because once Trump shakes off the COVID-19 lockdown and hits the road, Donald Trump is the Trump campaign. He didn't win the first contest with a sophisticated, uh, you know, technical ground game. He won in 2016 because he jumped on a plane and he barnstormed like Truman against Dewey. Uh, it was frantic. I mean, while Hillary is in Chappaqua looking at swatches of various fabrics to pick out for the Oval Office curtains, Donald Trump is barnstorming Milwaukee. Uh, Philadelphia, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Cleveland, uh, Detroit, uh, and then he starts all over again. It's very interesting because if you read any of the histories of the 1948 campaign, probably the greatest single upset in American political history until the election of Donald Trump, the most improbable election outcome. Uh, given everything that we, we thought we knew about politics, uh, Trump is the right man at the right time. 
at a time in America when citizens have totally lost faith in all institutions, Congress, politicians, both parties, the media, particularly the media. See, this is new. The American people have woken up to the fact that they're being manipulated. This is not something that we, we've seen before. And it is what I think fuels the America First agenda. Uh, and it is the cause to which constitutional liberty lovers are rallying. Uh, but the, the ferocity with which the Biden people are using the Justice Department in regard to January 6th is, is, uh, is alarming. I mean, just to, be, just to be clear, Reuters reported last Friday that a high-level FBI source uh, admitted that there was no evidence against Roger Stone or Alex Jones. Yet you go on Substack and there's half a dozen guys I never heard of saying my arrest is imminent which it isn't. Uh, it is, uh, it's just a, it's, it's just a hate fest. Uh, it, it is, uh, but it's just bloodlust. Uh, my wife was attacked outside the house by some lunatic on a bicycle screaming about my being a Russian spy after Christmas. I had to report to the Fort Lauderdale police. Uh, it is uh, not uncommon for people to make scenes in airports or restaurants or on the streets, but no, I'm sorry. Uh, here's our two. Here are two key things. This is very important. You know the big lie technique, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda chief for the the for the Nazis, says uh, the lie has to be simple, and you must repeat it endlessly, and over time, people will believe it. Hitler himself is more specific about the big lie but that's the technique of the media today it's the big lie technique uh, where the media seizes on a narrative which is false it blows up in on twitter because every left-wing lunatic buys into it that in turn gets the people who are you know in official positions to investigate you they begin to believe these things are facts not just politically motivated hate uh and uh, my tale is a cautionary tale. Every American citizen knows that what happened to me could happen to them. That in the blink of an eye, you cannot travel without permission. You cannot speak. You are barred from speaking with a long list of people whose names they give you, some of whom I recognize and some of them I don't, but I'm not allowed to have any contact with them by email or phone. I don't even know who most of them are. I never talk to anyone on that list again. I'm forbidden from ever talking to Michael Caputo, one of my closest friends, who's not charged with any crime, who's not a witness in this case, but they won't let me talk to him for almost two years uh, because he's a wise counselor. He has also survived cancer, a cancer I believe brought on by the stress of uh, Mueller's uh, attempts to take him down just because he once worked in Russia for the U.S. government. So it is, uh, it is uh, really an extraordinary experience, but post-pardon, they just keep coming. In other words, I, I have acknowledged it's a matter of public record that I owe the, the IRS uh, a substantial amount of money in taxes. But I've also paid them $500,000 uh, for two years in monthly payments. You do the math. And I had to bust my arse to do it. Uh, and only when they broke me with their phony investigation could I no longer make my payments. I'm not hiding any assets. I've, I've not undeclared any income. 
and I'm in in the middle of a legal, what they call offer and compromise negotiations where I'm trying to settle my outstanding tax debt for 2007 and 2008 specifically. When Joe Biden is elected, the next day the government just breaks off those negotiations without explanation. And a week later, the Biden Justice Department files at six o'clock on a Friday, a highly sensationalized, I call it a civil complaint, but it's really a press release in which it, it falsely implies that my wife and I have either hidden assets or hidden income that should have been taxed, which is categorically false. My accountant my, and my lawyer are confident that I paid every penny and they're very conservative fellows. So uh, when you go look at the complaint, the nine claims by the Biden Justice Department against my wife and I, we're both sued separately, are, are each one of them is false. So for example, they said, Mrs. Stone's family trust has placed the small condominium where they are living in an irrevocable trust uh, to hide it from the government. Indeed, it's in a revocable trust, which under law is seizable by the government at any time, federal government, at any time they choose, and it's been reported to them in various forms they've given us, because they endlessly, you have to fill out every six months, new financials. Ah, you made $5 more this quarter than last year. We want half of it. Wow. That's why your payments are always going up. So I worked very hard with these people to settle my tax debt. Now they filed this. Uh, I will not settle it. I'm going to go to trial in Miami, and I'm going to make the case that, and, and show the, the the judge that every assertion by the government in this case is false. Now we have the 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 screaming that I'm somehow involved in January 6th. The uh, Reuters story I referred to earlier breaks last Friday, but despite that. Out of the blue, some group called the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, which is a left-wing hit operation of radical lefty lawyers, went out and recruited seven of the Capitol Hill police officers to be plaintiffs in a case which essentially says that just because Donald Trump is my friend of 40 years, and just because I happen to know a couple Proud Boys, and just because I came into contact with members of the Oath Keepers, that I am personally responsible and liable for the illegal events of January 6th. That is false. They provide no evidence to this to this claim. Uh, they just cite the fact that I spoke, but they don't point out that everything I said was within my First Amendment rights. Under the Constitution, I can talk about important public matters of the day, and this certainly qualifies. So it's a it's a false narrative, but this is what's called lawfare. In other words, the lawyers filing this know they don't really have the evidence. They know it's salacious. It'll generate terrible stories for Stone and for Trump. Uh, but they just want to bleed you dry in legal fees. My lawyer, uh, who was talking to me about closing my legal defense fund, although right now we have 12 harassment lawsuits still pending. Let me point out that prior to going to the horrific Mueller trial, there were two civil suits against me, one in D.C., one in New York, in which the plaintiffs, all of whom worked in the Obama White House someplace, uh, claimed that I had uh, that I was a Russian asset, that I had aided WikiLeaks, 
uh, I'd aided the Russians in hacking the DNC and giving the data to WikiLeaks, or the data had gone to me. It was it was lame. When it came time for them to produce the evidence, they gave us a bunch of clippings from lefty blogs. That's not evidence. That's creating your own reality, exactly what they do on Twitter. And both those cases were dismissed, but not before I spent tens of thousands of dollars on them. So this is just an epic effort by the DOJ and now by these these vicious, nasty lawyers who are in violate. These are Rule 11 violations. Their accusations are groundless. They're, they are unsubstantiated. I have never urged anyone to attack anyone else on January 6th at the Capitol or anyone else ever. And I certainly never conspired with others to deny the officers their civil rights. In fact, they don't show me conspiring with anybody. So it's bogus, but it's meant to bleed me dry. Roger. Uh, and then as I, you let's, know, let, it, it is a go. Let's do, yes. let's do this. Let's take a break here. Um, we've been going for 45 minutes, and I know you do this pretty much solid. You run out of air, and I want to give you a break when we come back. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell us what is going on behind the scenes that is causing all of this. Where is it coming from? What are the objectives, the long-term game goals that they're after? Think about that absolutely. during the break. We'll be back in absolutely. two minutes. This is Roger Stone, and uh, he's telling us a great story. He'll be back with us in two minutes at TNN Live. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand immatures from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with the new Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink, price participation may vary. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut. You and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. 
The website is Stone Cold Truth. And with us, the author, boy, he's written a lot of things. Most people don't know this guy is a prolific writer. He's a great speaker. I can't, Roger, I just can't believe you've gone for 50 minutes. And, uh, I mean, this story is captivating. Before we go back into this, let me say this. We have a mutual friend, Kelly Nelson, who is listening in this morning. Uh, Kelly's been on our show. She is a, uh, Kelly is a guest contributor here at Truth News Network. Usually, once every other week, she writes a story that we publish, and boy, they are killer stories, but she is one of your biggest fans. And well, I she know. Is one of, she is one of the best investigative journalists in the country. She does journalism the old-fashioned way. She actually triple-checks it. Uh, she's broken some major stories. Where I think she's particularly good is interpretation of events. She really understands the deep state. Uh, you can call them a military-industrial, call them whatever you want, but the globalists who have just essentially seized back control of our government from Donald Trump uh, and uh, who now seem to be you know, uh, hell-bent on destroying everything that Trump did for this country. I mean, look around the world. The the Iranians are raining missiles on Israel. The the Russians hack our biggest pipeline and give us back the password. The North Koreans have restarted their nuclear weapons program. The Chinese are, are pestering and uh, bothering American flagged ships in the South China Sea. Uh, the Iranians uh, were shocked when Trump, uh, Trump, pardon me, when Biden unilaterally removed all the sanctions on them. But the Taliban noticed. And then, epically, Joe Biden actually doing the right thing, following the policy lead of Donald Trump, the first American president to actually remove American troops from the Middle East, who'd been there way too long, removes our troops, but unlike Trump, he doesn't use his array of strategic weapons like the scalpel-like uh, drone attacks uh, and other you know, air power to keep the Taliban pinned down during the withdrawal of your troops. You always cover your retreat in military parlance. Uh, Trump did so when he withdrew troops from Syria uh, and from, uh, from uh, Iraq uh, and from Afghanistan. Uh, and Obama made very wide use of the drone technology to pound the hell out of the Taliban. Uh, but that has not that was not the policy of Biden. And the drone strikes uh, in Afghanistan stopped at inauguration day. No wonder the Taliban was emboldened. And then incredibly, we violate our, all of our military training and our processes and our procedures. And we abandon our equipment before we withdraw our troops. Or I should say we uh, withdraw our troops before we've secured, uh, you know, our our armaments, leaving $80 billion, billion, that's for the B, to the Taliban. So they go from being a bunch of thugs with a couple of Uzis and a lot of pistols to being, you know, the fourth or fifth best armed military in the world. That's very scary. What's going to happen going forward with this mess over there? Well, the problem, of course, is as a as a Ron Paul, Rand Paul Republican prior to the rise of Trump, because when the party nominated Mitt Romney, uh, 
uh, you know, uh, that was hard to swallow. I mean, I'll, I was young Republican national chairman from 1977 to 79. I, I grew up in the Republican Party of Barry Goldwater, my first crush, Richard Nixon, uh, my, my mentor, Ronald Reagan. Nixon and Reagan came from the same Southern California political milieu that a lot of their uh, key staffers and key donors were intertwined. Uh, and uh, it's only because I worked for Nixon that I was able to get a job with Reagan in 76, uh, 1980, and again in 1984. So I did, I did three uh, presidential campaigns for Reagan. It, it, it's important because the 76 campaign where Reagan comes surprisingly close to uh, snatching the nomination from Gerald Ford. Ford has never been elected president. Ford rises to the presidency after being appointed vice president by Richard Nixon and confirmed by the Senate. When Nixon resigns, Ford, of course, moves up to the presidency. Uh, he was he was uh, not a bad man, but he was dumb as a rock. And he was essentially completely manipulated by Henry Kissinger and Mel Laird, the former defense secretary under uh, Nixon, but a guy who played Capitol Hill in the appropriations process like a fiddle. He was a, he was a major insider. Uh, in any event, um, uh, it is, uh, uh, I don't know where you want to go with this, but here's my thinking why it's relevant today. Many people thought 76 was it for Reagan, that by 1980 he would just be too old. Indeed, the candidacies like Phil Crane, who's a good man, conservative congressman from Illinois, and other candidacies on the right were predicated on an incorrect belief that Reagan would not run again. Now, there are those who say Trump should not run again. Uh, I wasn't sure whether he would or not. Different question. Is he going to? Uh, there's been some well, there's some evolution in my thinking. At this point, as a movement, he must run. It is imperative that he run. He is our strongest candidate by any measure. No one else has risen to step into his shoes if he selected suddenly not to run. You certainly could understand if he didn't want to stick his head back in the pressure cooker again, given the slings and arrows and, and outright smear and defamation and vituperation against him and his wife and his family and uh, and so on. Uh, but I think he has to do it. And in all honesty, as someone who's been around this process, if you watch him, he's doing all the correct early things one needs to do. He's going to Iowa. He, he is setting up a pack to have maximum impact in 2022. Super pack. He is raising money at a faster clip uh, at a time when others who are engaged in political fundraising even the own fun, my own fundraising for my legal fund and for my wife's, uh, you know, cancer family support fund. Uh, it, it's difficult in the summer months, but not for Donald Trump, who took in a hundred million dollars in the last quarter. So he's the number one fundraiser in the party. He, he unites everybody. There's no, there's no conservative. There's no no one in the Trump coalition that uh, isn't for Donald Trump as their first choice. Uh, I, I like the hometown speculation of our own governor, Ron DeSantis, but frankly, I don't want to lose him in Florida where he's doing an amazing job of beating back the mask mafia. 
I, um, I, I, I have a gut feeling, and sometimes my gut feelings are good, that Trump is going to make his final decision, if he hasn't already, based upon what he can do in getting the Congress back in 2022. If he can get that back, I think there's no doubt. Like you well, said, he's got to run. Fun, but there's a fundamental question in between, which is, and I think it starts earlier, actually. The fundamental problem for our movement and for, for those of us who are conservatives who believe in constitutional liberty and support the America First policies is the deplatforming and censorship and cancellation of our communication abilities by big tech and the Democrats does not allow us to communicate with each other and everyone else. Consequently, it's very hard for us to galvanize and mobilize the American people to demand honest, fair, transparent elections at all levels. And that that uh, that in the states that can be done, that can be done when the election laws can be tightened up and made fair and honest because you have some Republican control or you have at least some leverage in the process, fine. But in those states with a recalcitrant Democrat governor and Democrat um, uh, uh, legislatures, then it has to be done by constitutional amendment. That means people, but we have people. We have millions, in fact, uh, and people want to get active. Here's the interesting thing: in the wake of all of these uh, uh, deplatforming of conservatives and the the just lopping off the heads at Facebook and Twitter of anyone who doesn't buy the phony narrative of the corporate left. Uh, has made those places sterile and hateful, uh, but it is also, uh, you know, it is not uh, self-defeating, meaning Google, Apple, Yahoo, they run the censorship and deplatforming game not because they own the internet, but because they, use, they own extraordinarily uh, popular and widely used software on the internet. So therefore, if a software engineer He's putting up your website and he thinks strategically, not just in terms of putting it up but making sure it can't be hacked or deplatformed. He won't use any of these underlying plug-in products uh, and he will build his own software and his site will be secure. But just like building a, you know, a house on a foundation of bricks, if you start removing the bricks, the entire house will come down. That's precisely, I think, what happened at at frankspeech.com, where my friend Mike Lindell had a noble pursuit, but technologically uh, he didn't get where he needed to go, uh, I think because of that technological problem. Uh, but, it, you know, for somewhere between four and six million dollars, a group of venture capitalists could build this platform. Now, once you had the technology in the platform, you could have many applications. You could have a news media application, you could have a crowd funding application, you can have a uh, web hosting application, you can have an event application like Eventbrite. We basically build our own community uh, and we still have access because we can't be deplatformed. That has to be done first. I then mentioned- we can mobilize people to demand uh, honest elections. Then step three, time to clean house in the GOP. Time to challenge the feckless, gutless, weak need, lily-livered, white-wine-guzzling, 
green pants wearing <laughs> golfing country club Republicans who are in politics to line their own pockets in the pockets of their friends who are practiced at sounding like conservatives when it's time to raise money uh, and time to campaign, but go to Washington to be part of the swamp. Uh, and we know who they are. They openly flouted uh, the American people in the process. Liz Cheney, uh, I predict, will be defeated in the Republican primary. And even in a multi-candidate race, the candidate in that race who emerges with money is the candidate who will take Liz Cheney out. So even in a multi-candidate race, where theoretically multi-opponents of Cheney would divide the anti-Cheney majority vote, uh, I still think she may be beaten in a multiple candidate field. Let me ask you a question. You you look at Gavin Newsom out in California, which is, the, I mean, a, a solid, in-the-tank Democrat, big, big blue state and has been for a long time is right now looking at what he's facing right now do you think that maybe just maybe the atmosphere uh among average americans is turning that people are becoming more cognizant of the things you've been talking about and telling us about uh for instance if he can be if he possibly can be removed from office in the next couple of weeks um do you think that's the beginning of maybe something big let's stop who can be removed from office gavin newsom Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I, I was I was, I was misdirected. Well, uh, here's the problem: the the removal of Gavin Newsom in all of the polling I've studied remains in the margin of error. It is, yes. Uh, and the problem with that is that Gavin Newsom has the keys to the machine that drive turnout of his supporters, public employee union members, uh, other special interests who are grifting off the state government big time, uh, taking care of all the ethnic communities and so on. Uh, and uh, the anti-Newsom vote, while intense, is less organized. And then there is the complexity of the two-step process. So what you have here is first you get to vote whether you want to remove Gavin Newsom, who's an annoying mannequin, as far as I can see, uh, with enormous money. It's very hard to believe that he was once married to my friend Kimberly Guilford. Same here. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, he's just on a horrific job. How do you take the most beautiful state with basically year-round good weather and turn it around into an economic basket case? Uh, it, it's really quite extraordinary. In the old days, when I had money before the Mueller witch hunt essentially bankrupted me, uh, I used to take my wife to uh, to uh, Southern California, specifically to La Jolla, for a month every August and just rent a place at the beach, very simply. Uh, I wouldn't do that today on a bet. People would be defecating outside the house anyway. It's California, man. It's happened very quickly, too. What do you, what do you see What do you see our government doing worldwide? Uh, I mean, you've got an inside perspective that very few of us have access to uh, get the facts and information. This well, Biden, I mean, this Biden stuff is getting out of hand. I don't think there's any question that Joe Biden is not in charge of this government. That, Who is? Who is? Barack Obama, Barack Obama is essentially running this. He's at least signing off on the large decisions. If it's Susan Rice is clearly running foreign affairs. Susan Rice was a national security advisor under Obama. Susan Rice illegally unmasked 
a number of Republicans and Trump supporters, again, using the deep state machinery for political purposes without any evidence of wrongdoing. Uh, and Ron Klain, who ironically ran the Al Gore recount operation in 2000, where I whooped him, uh, is running domestic policy. Klain worked for Biden in the Senate and also went on to work for Vice President Gore. He's running domestic policy. My sources tell me they come and go every morning at the Obama compound over in Calorama, where I think the de facto president is. Joe Biden's rise is quite improbable. The, the Obamas understand that he's not equipped to be president. Uh, and even in his best days, he was, uh, he was a fuck up. Uh, and beyond that, uh, they know that his tendency to meddle early in, the, in his vice presidency, Biden evidently thought that Barack Obama was some charismatic Illinois state senator, but he was the master of Washington. And as soon as they both took office, Joe started calling meetings, giving cabinet officers directives and so on. I heard this from someone who worked in the Obama White House. And uh, a couple of days later, I guess, Valerie Jarrett dropped in at the vice president's office and closed the door behind her and said, look, Mr. Vice President, I don't think you really understand the role of the vice president in this administration. Let me make it clear to you. You work for Barack Obama. You don't do anything unless he expressly tells you to do it. You stop doing things if he expressly tells you not to do it. You don't initiate anything. You sit in this office until we need you. Uh, and that was the end of Joe's co-presidency. Uh, they 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 have no confidence in him. Uh, they didn't want him to run, but their, their problem was they had no one better. Kamala was a big flopperoo, as you could see, because nobody wanted Willie Brown's mistress to be president of the United States. And Willie's a good friend of mine, by the way, one of the best dressed men in the, in the country, has made my international best and worst dress list, <laughs> which I had published 13 consecutive years until, Dan, the judge's gag on me prevented me from posting it. Oh, my God. It would have been a, na would have been a national security <laughs> risk, obviously. Oh, my gosh. Oh, goodness. Well, what's going to happen with Joe? Is he going to make it four years or not? I, I, look, I, I don't wish him any ill will, but sure. he, looks feeble. he looks feeble to me. Uh, he looks bewildered. He looks confused. This footage of him wandering around the international conference was pathetic. Yeah. Just, you feel sorry for him. Uh, his wife is clearly his handler. Uh, look, I have followed his career since he was 29 years old. Prior to his having dementia, he was a, he was the son of a bitch. He was a know-it-all, arrogant, corrupt, uh, he, and he hung with the with the segregationists in the Senate. Yes, Thurmond he did. And, yeah. and Stennis, and uh, uh, from North Carolina, the senator that they uh, alienized in Watergate. One of the great, Sam Irvin, one of the great segregationists of all time. That, those were his friends. He ran for the Senate as an opponent to the desegregation of the Wilmington school system. He said, and I quote, racial segregation will turn our public schools into a jungle, and I don't want my daughter going to school in a jungle. I don't know if you if heard this, but... The dog on, whistle, if that isn't the dog whistle, what is? Monday. But in the debate, he turns on Trump and accuses him of using the dog whistle. Can yeah. you imagine? Monday, in a Homeland Security Zoom meeting, 
Cedric Richman, who is a former congressman from Louisiana, is African-American, and he introduced him. He's a special counsel or advisor to uh, President Biden. He introduced Cedric as his boy. Now, what if Donald Trump had done something like that? Well, look, there's a double standard. Sure. The day, the day that the uh, that the D.C. Circuit Court upheld my conviction because I was sixty, I was sixty-eight years old. I was convicted of a nonviolent crime. So, under the Bureau of Prisons policy, as dictated by the Department of Justice and signed into place by Attorney General Bill Barr several months earlier because of COVID, I hear I was supposed to have been assigned to home confinement, like Avenatti, like Michael Cohen, like at that point, Paul Manafort. Sure. But the judge insisted that I go to a facility in rural, insisted there were no COVID-19 cases. The head of the prison guards union contacted my attorney and swore out a sworn statement saying that the government was hiding over 200 cases. And sure enough, within days of the commutation of my sentence, the government was accurately reporting more than 100 cases in this prison. So it was a death sentence. I had I had asthma. The the head of the prison guards union told us there were no CDC mandates in place, no gloves, no sanitizer, no segregation, nothing. It was a death trap. Uh, and only through the grace of God and fervent prayer to God, uh, because uh, so many people like Reverend Graham, Franklin Graham, and Randy Coggins, and Pastor Mark Burns, and my own parish priest, Father Grady, all told me to take my burdens to the Lord. To, uh, I was scared. I was depressed. I was drinking too much. I was angry. Uh, and then the day that I confessed my sins and I got right with God, I stepped back and I had a broader view in which I said to my wife, who saw a bounce in my steps, she said, what got into you? And I said, it's all going to be all right. And I knew it would. So the pressure was gone. I mean, I, this is post-conviction when I'm staring down the barrel of a judge who is desperate to get me you know, locked up. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it is a, a nerve-wracking, I guess, is the way I would explain it. But in the end, the, they undid themselves. The, the, the naked corruption of my trial was there for everybody to see. They, they may have been smooth, but they were heavy-handed. The raid on my house kind of starts this off. Uh, I am 68 years old. I have no previous record, obviously. And I'm charged with a white-collar, first-time white-collar crime. But they raid my house with 29 FBI agents in full SWAT gear, wearing night goggles and carrying fully automatic M4 assault weapons. There's a helicopter overhead. There are two amphibious units pull up to the dock outside my house because I then lived in one of Fort Lauderdale's famous uh, canals. Uh, and as Sean Henry likes to say, yes, there are frogmen jumping off of the, these boats. They're armed. Uh, my wife is terrified uh, I am uh, you know and CNN is allowed to film you know my extraction yes I was wearing a Roger Stone did nothing wrong t-shirt <laughs> I remember that because I because uh, I had a feeling they were coming yeah CNN people tipped their hand sure uh, yeah. this uh, it, it is indisputable that 
I was arrested at 6.06 a.m. At 6.11, a CNN reporter contacts my lawyer, who does not yet know I've been taken into custody, and she sends him by text a copy of my indictment. But the copy of the indictment has no court markings, and it's sealed. It's 6.11 in the morning. The indictment won't be unsealed by a federal magistrate until 9.30. (laughs) Her having it is a violation. Yes, it is. And when you look at the metadata tags on it, it has the initials of its author, Andrew Weissman. Talk about Andrew. Talk about Andrew. Well, I think he's probably the most epic prosecutor in American history. Uh, he was at the FBI and the DOJ. He knew the Steele dossier was bogus, but he allowed, he had to still have it as the centerpiece of his efforts. He essentially tortured Manafort, and Manafort didn't have anything to give him. There was no Russian collusion. They keep insisting this guy, Kalimnik, who I wouldn't know from Adam's cat, who Manafort evidently passed polling information to, was a great buddy of Putin's. But I've seen much documentation that in fact this guy Kalimnik, who I've never met but only read about, was a U.S. intelligence asset. Either way, that's, that's their big collusion play, that Manafort sent some poll numbers to his buddy and they just assumed that he gave them to Putin. We don't even know that. It, it's it was a bogus theory. Uh, they could never find the Russian collusion. That's why they then began to put all their eggs into the uh, to the obstruction side of their report. Hey, they, I'm, they I'm, knew they didn't have any pay dirt on Russia, so now they were going to frame Donald Trump for trying to stop them from illegally removing him. Think about that. Our our audience doesn't know. Andrew Weissman. I know you had a lot of face-to-face time. Well, Andrew Weissman is a longtime uh, federal prosecutor uh, who, in his early days in New York, he uh, covered up a number of mob murders to protect some of his informants. I believe he lied under oath to the court about who was an informant and who wasn't and when they were. Uh, He goes from that train wreck to the Enron case a case that is overturned, a case where he destroys Enron and he destroys Arthur Anderson, their their accounting firm. Uh, he sends all these people to jail for long terms. He puts the 30-year-old CFO of Enron in a coffin-sized metal box with a slit for the eyes and leaves him there for a couple of days until he agrees to say what Andrew wants him to. There's a bar complaint filed by some smart lawyer about that. Go try to find a copy of it. It was reported at the time. Wow. Go to the New York Bar Association and try to find the copy. It's no longer there. So he was the... Uh, This is the same Andrew Weissman who wipes 31 cell phone... 31 government-issued cell phones when he knows that Durham has been appointed to look at the bona fides and the the, uh, handling and origins of the Mueller investigation. Uh, If I destroyed evidence, they would have hung me. He writes two op-ed pieces saying I should be dragged back to the grand jury. He had two years to bring me to the grand jury. He never did. Uh, instead, he tried to terrorize me by dragging every person I've ever met to the grand jury. I'm exaggerating, but you know there, there are 20-plus current or former associates of mine who go to the grand jury without any particular reason. None of them knows, know anything deleterious about me. And when they are presenting exculpatory evidence, essentially prove that Randy Credico is, in fact, the source of what little information I know about WikiLeaks, 
not that it's classified or anything. They ignore 30 pages of text messages that I believe prove it. They deny third-party witnesses that he told directly that this was the case. Uh, it's an abomination. It's, a, it's an abortion. It's just kind of like figure out what the crime is and then we'll make the evidence fit it. Wow. Hey, we're going to take our last break and we're going to do this final segment in it. During the break, I want you to think about this. I want you to tell us what's ahead for Roger Stone and what you need right now today. Sure. Okay? Absolutely. Yep. We'll be, we'll be back in two minutes with Roger Stone at TNN Live. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KVB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance Event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image source from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KVB.com for more information. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price of participation may vary. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut. You and the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. I want to thank all of you for joining us today. we got a big crowd from down in Australia that are listening to the show today with Roger Stone. Roger, hey, I want to thank you so much for being here with us. You have got an amazing story to tell. And just imagine if mainstream media, just imagine if some of those folks would uh, just decide they were going to do the right thing. And let well, Roger okay, Stone I no, tell his story. I have no, I have no choice but to write the history myself. Sure. Which is why my next book, Roger Stone did nothing wrong. Uh, my political persecution and the loss of the twenty twenty election, I think, will fill in a lot of the literature. Shall we say? Tell us about period. that book. Tell us when it's coming. Well, I mean, it's really it's just a, it's a, my whole odyssey, including my redemption. You know, due to my reaffirmation of my faith in Jesus Christ. I had been born as a Catholic. I had all my sacraments. My my baptism, my Holy Communion, my confirmation, my marriage in the church. But as soon as I was in college, I wandered. 
and then in the wild days, I was a libertine, no question about it. But that person doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and uh, I became persuaded. It was absolutely true that if you dedicated your Christ, your life to Christ, if you asked him to come into your life, he would protect you, he would defend you, he would never abandon you, and he would vanquish those who bore false witness against you and sought to persecute you. God hates injustice. Yes. And he can see it, and he knows it. God knows all. So uh, that's the only reason I'm able to be with you today. And now I'm looking for another miracle. I think I've had three. The commutation of my sentence, the unconditional pardon before Christmas, and then on the morning of January 6th, I'm sorry, ABC News, I never left the grounds of my hotel. The video of me out front in front of the hotel is innocuous. Some guy I never heard of says to me, so how's it looking today? We got this today? And I say, well, we shall see. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Where's the word insurrection? Do you see the word insurrection <laughs> in there? I mean, but they make it sound like, uh, you know, I'm a mastermind. It is the most outrageous use of guilt by association with man seen with Roger Stone indicted in January 6th. My favorite, these three guys who were arrested met with Roger Stone in front of the Supreme Court on the 5th. None of them looked familiar to me. I said, I've never met these guys. Then I realized what they're talking about. Yes, they were in a crowd of 500 people. <laughs> that's, that's a meeting if you work for the Associated Press. Just remember, it doesn't matter. the truth doesn't matter to the AP. They don't give a rip it, if it's it, a good you, story. It used to. Yeah. It used to. Yeah, it did. So, I mean, re recently I was uh, sued by Larry Clayman. Uh, and they say, Larry Clayman, the founder of Judicial Watch. Well, but they don't mention that just last week, Judicial Watch uh, got the courts to uphold a I think it's a uh, $2.8 million judgment by Judicial Watch against their former founder, who was ousted. Don't you think that should have been in the story? Absolutely. They're not so, going to do. Any, they're not going to do anything to denigrate themselves. It's all about yeah. their "quote unquote" political enemies. Well, and and in this one case, I think it's important to note one attorney, Larry Clayman, has filed twelve. Pardon me, uh, eleven different lawsuits against me. Two of them have already been dismissed, and he's going to end up paying on all my legal bills. Ultimately, they'll all be dismissed. But at a time when my wife is fighting cancer, when I'm, I'm I've got a DOJ lawsuit. Uh, and these left-wing crazy lawyers now trying to blame me for January 6th to defend uh, in a, yet another deep state takedown. I don't need, you know, this kind of uh, frivolous harassment lawsuit uh, by some egomaniac who doesn't have a case. Uh, and uh, it, it is, uh, but he was opposed to my pardon, so it's really not surprising. Uh, I think it's all jealousy and all honesty. And I do think Tim Fenton does a great job at Judicial Watch. Uh, far better than I think Larry ever did. In any event, um, it is, uh, you know, these are two giant mountains to climb. Because of the censorship and the deplatforming, it's been much, much tougher to either sell my books or to monetize my commentary because the avenues just, you know, I'm banned in the most productive areas of the internet. So getting back on our feet financially has been difficult. If you want to help my wife, because that's the most pressing need, the very best all natural and holistic, uh, uh, non-toxic therapies, such as uh, infusions intravenously of mass doses of vitamin C, D and B17, certain peptides. Also uh, a very highly crafted 
THC and CBD protocol. Uh, there's no question that cannabis can be a very strong anti-cancer agent. Uh, and this is a state where it is legal. Uh, it is, uh, is part of uh, an expensive regimen though. Uh, beyond that, some of the things you need to do are relatively inexpensive. They're, they're publicly sold, but I really don't believe that chemotherapy or radiation can't really kill cancer. They can only really knock it back. Only your own natural immunity can kill the cancer stem cell. Uh, yet the most common treatments for cancer, such as chemotherapy, suppress the immune system at the exact time that you need your immunity the most. Therefore, you must rebuild it with natural supplements, and there are many fine products that do that. I've had to go on this cancer odyssey to learn all this. Now I've got to go out and raise the money to make sure that my wife gets uh, all of the things she needs to do. I really don't know how one woman can swallow this many capsules a day, but uh, she's quite amazing. She's stoic. She's very brave. She's doing okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I will, I'll update people as we go along. People can go to stonefamilyfund.com, stonefamilyfund.com to help our family at this time of crisis. Let me, let, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yep. Um, I told Roger this, we've never monetized anything on this website. We don't do it. We don't sell anything. But I want all of our listeners to listen to me right now. You need to do this. We all need to do this. StoneFamilySupportFund.com. Or, or, or StoneFamilyFund.com. I think they both take you to the same place. Gotcha. Either one of them. Or you can just simply go to his website, which you need to do anyway, which is uh, Cold Stone. Stone Cold Truth. Stone, Stone Cold, Cold Truth. Stone Cold Truth. Stone Cold Truth. Uh, and then it, I was, you know, if you want to just help me fight these leftist lawyer beatniks, then go to Stone Defense Fund. Uh, the legal bills are staggering. I spent over $3 million for a miserable defense. My lawyers were not the fighters I needed them to be. I had over 800 exhibits, emails, text messages, video clips, or audio clips to support my case. They would never introduce them. Uh, we knew... For example, it's Steve Bannon, who was the government surprise witness at my trial, contradicted his testimony on the stand at my trial in his sworn testimony before the House Intelligence Committee. He's asked before the Intelligence Committee, do you ever talk to Roger Stone about WikiLeaks? He says, no. Adam Schiff says, never. He says, never. Categorically, never. Asked the same question at trial. Do you ever talk to Roger Stone about WikiLeaks? Only every time I spoke to him on the phone in 2016, <laughs> they cannot both be right. One of them has to be perjury. Yes. Of course, that didn't that didn't happen. Nobody followed up on that. Well, they also had an obligation at the time of my trial to tell us that Steve Bannon was under federal investigation. They, But they didn't. So I suspect that he lied about me to save his own skin. And then Mueller indicted, or he was indicted anyway. So... I know you're out and I know you're out and about now that you're making speaking engagements when your wife's okay and at least you can get away. Um, those can be found on that website as well. Everybody can know when you're going to be close to them. Yes, we're, we're, we're still kind of revamping. So there's been some transition and Stone Cold Truth is store is not completely functional. There's a few things I need to, to, to tweak there. But, um, you know, we have... Uh, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm going to start doing a daily uh, podcast there, make a 20-minute both video blast and podcast 
uh, and kind of keep it, you know, pretty light but informative. I'm going I'm to take up my old syndicated radio show. I had 37 stations in syndication when Mueller essentially shut me down. I'm going to start that again. So I look on, on the comeback trail. It's just that the the big the deep state censorship program really makes it very difficult for people with my views to prosper because you can't communicate with anybody and you can't reach your customers. People don't understand how much power there is in media and over media. And media is everything about communicating on a national and international level. And when they take that away from you, look what it look what Roger Stone is dealing with now. Let me ask you one question about legal fees. How much does it cost when you're sued in federal court? How much does it simply cost to respond to a suit? Uh, well, it depends on the lawyers you're using. It depends on how much you pay them an hour. It depends whether you hire them for a flat fee or whether you are on a just a ball, just a ballpark. Well, if you're wealthy, uh, you you know some high fluting law firm's going to going to charge you a quarter of a million dollars just for the responding documents. Wow. Uh, but if you're shrewd about your use of lawyers and you, uh, which I was not at trial, but which I will be going forward, should I ever have to use the services of one, which I obviously do. Because I'm being sued in 12 places by Larry Clayman, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be much more judicious. Uh, you know, lawyers, as a general point, don't want to be assertive, don't want to be aggressive, because they're worried about how the judge will react to them in their next case. Uh, I want a lawyer who's only thinking about one thing, which is how to, how to, uh, how to win on the legal issues. And how to get that in front of the court? Uh, David Schoen, who would have represented me had I gone to appeal, who represented the president in his uh, second impeachment trial, is one of the most brilliant, fearless legal tacticians I've ever met. Uh, an extraordinary lawyer. So not all lawyers are limp-wristed and combat adverse. Well, we want to help you out, and our folks are going to do it, and we'll keep mentioning that in the upcoming days. Hey, listen, our best and all our prayers for your wife. We know she's struggling with this, and we know how close a family you have. And our best to you. Just know this, the best is yet to come for the Stone family. And I want to thank you personally for giving us this time today and telling us our story. And let me tell you this, you come back anytime you want to. If, uh, don't wait for us to call and ask you to come on. Consider this a way for you to speak to a different group of real people that are into hearing the truth and the facts. Well, from your mouth to God's ear, we will we will meet again. But thanks for having me on today. I had a lot I wanted to talk about. Roger Stone. Roger, have a great week, and we'll talk soon. Roger Stone. Boy, you've heard him. You've seen him. You've heard all about him again and again. But now you know from the horse's mouth exactly how bad it can get and how tough it is to fight battles when you go into it and you know the outcome is predetermined and it's not in your favor. Wow. Don't go anywhere. We're going to catch you up on a few things, important things happening right after this. A politician's worst nightmare? The truth. And you're getting it here with Dan Newman on TNN, the Truth News Network. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. 
vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding, rental, and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at SnowballExpress.org. for me to say today when you think things are really bad in your life all you have to do is look around and listen and you'll find others who are in bigger trouble having bigger problems than we are so first of all don't get down about what's going on in your life and don't get down about the things that have happened to you in your past just be thankful when you think about them that they're in your rearview mirror and as I told Roger going out the best is yet to come. If we can adopt that, that'll get us through a lot of things. If we go into it and a fearful and afraid of what's going to happen and we can't figure it out, don't understand, that's a tough situation to be in, principally because you don't have the ability to tell the future. None of us do. And so uh, spending our lives worried about something we have no input into at the time, it just doesn't make sense. So don't torture yourself. I mean, we can get through it. I don't care what it is, folks. We can get through it, and we will get through it. So we're going to have Roger Stone back. We're going we're gonna to be an outlet for him to tell his story from time to time as it changes. Most people don't really understand the power of big tech, big social media, and what they're able to do. If you get on their bad side, folks, they don't just put you in jail. Remember, the president of the United States that had 100 million followers on his Twitter account, they just cut his legs out from under him. The president of the United States. Now, that takes a pretty powerful entity to tackle the president of the United States. Remember, that's the number one office, the most powerful man or woman in the world that holds that office every time we have an election and we have a president. They have a lot of power. And just remember that when you start doing and saying things in your social media accounts. Big Brother's watching, literally. George Orwell warned us about it and said it was all going to happen in 1984. Well, it really got cranked up in the late 90s. He missed it by about 15 years. But it's gone over the top here in the 21st century. Well, while you were sleeping overnight, things 
around the world begin to happen. They continue to happen. And our economy under Joe Biden and the Biden administration took a shot overnight. The forecast for jobs for last month, the experts forecast there were going to be 740,000 jobs added and an unemployment rate of 5.2%. Well, the private payrolls report that come every week or every month from um, payroll processor ADP, when those came in on Wednesday, the numbers pointed to a much weaker forecast than what was expected, with ADP estimating just 374,000 jobs. And the big experts were expecting 740,000 jobs. That's not a near miss, folks. The August figures follow the revised 1.1 million jobs for July that was revised from a preliminary report of only 943,000. So it was revised up. That was the second straight month above the consensus of the experts and an unemployment rate of 5.4%, which was also better than what the consensus was expecting. The economy added 962,000 in June and 614,000 in May. Only 374,000. That's a big hit. Now, what do you think is going on on there? Well... Employment has risen by 17 million since uh, the ebb when it kind of really dwindled to its lowest point in April last year. But it's down by 5.3 million or 3.5% from its pre pandemic level in February. What sector is getting hit the hardest? I think you probably know leisure and hospitality. They've been averaging about 350,000 jobs over the last six months, it didn't grow at all. That's bars and restaurants. They actually lost jobs, 42,000. Retail is the other big one. They lost 29,000 jobs last month. Mining, which includes fracking and other energy extraction jobs, added 6,000 jobs. IT added 17,000. Financial services grew by 16,000. Manufacturing, this is a big one to watch every month. It was really, really remarkably strong Given the weakness elsewhere in our economy, employment grew by 37,000 jobs. Manufacturing is now 378,000 below the pre-pandemic level, but it's improving. In August, there was little or no improvement in any of the other major industries. That includes construction, wholesale trade, and healthcare. They pretty much stayed flat. Employment increased by 40,000, listen to this, in private education. Well, there's a big story there, private education. That means parents, moms and dads are looking at what's going on at our public schools with this critical race theory and this uh, autocratic government that nationwide is locking down on our kids in public school and are saying, maybe, maybe we need to get out of that sector and start going for private education. 40,000 jobs up in private education last month. State government education declined by 21,000 and fell by 6,000 in local government education. Americans are paying attention. Roger Stone just pointed it out how big and powerful uh, big media is 
and how they're able to just pretty much shut down anybody and everybody they want. But just when facts hit the marketplace, just when it happens that way, guess what Americans do? We do what we're best at doing and what our forefathers made very clear in the First Amendment and the other nine of our Bill of Rights, the first ten amendments, is we have the power over government, not government having power over us. And a lot of us, I hear this all the time, we're getting extremely discouraged because so much bad stuff is happening around us and we look to the leadership in Washington and we don't get squat in the way of answers that come with solutions. I mean, I'm just getting tired of every day. It doesn't matter if it's on the weekend anymore. They used to shut down the productive news cycle mid-afternoon every Friday and we really didn't hear them crank back up with real news. Now, they always have Sunday talk shows. But I'm talking about real news until the wee hours of Monday morning. Now, folks, it's just nonstop, 24-7, throwing out political partisan pieces, attack mode. Now, I'm not sure if big media is going to comment about Roger Stone being on Truth News Net today. Probably won't. We're probably, and thankfully probably, are still under the radar screen there. But even if even if they know we're, we're out there, and Google does, uh, not long ago, I snickered one day when I was doing some research for a story. And my wife was standing there when I did it. And she said, what are you laughing about? And I said, well, I, I did a search on a particular topic that we had done a story on or we had had it in a TNN live show previously. And I wanted to follow up and see what the latest status on it was. So I did an internet search. And when you did the search, there, there was something about exactly what I was looking for as searches come up. And so I clicked on it, and it took us to truthnewsnet.org. I had written a piece that included this information months earlier, and I'd forgotten about it, but they even came up using our story as an answer to that particular search. That doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. And what does that mean? That means we're out there somewhere and an algorithm and a search engine, and I don't remember which one it was. I typically use DuckDuckGo for my searches. I stay away from Google just because Google is Google, and uh, I think we all know what can happen there in Google. A lot of people have been after me to turn this thing into not an audio show, but turn it into a video podcast and put the show on YouTube. And I've been very resistant to do that for a lot of reasons. Number one, I have a great face for radio. (laughs) That's number one. Number two is the way we are here right now, we are not obligated to any of the big media giants at all. We own our own website. Uh, We own our our own www.truthnewsnet.org. We're not beholden to anybody there. Unless they just totally grab the internet and shut it down, we're not going anywhere. And nobody can tell us what to do or what not to do. You heard me mention to Roger Stone that we don't monetize this. We don't ever, we don't sell anything. We don't ask you to make contributions. Um, So we don't monetize it. This is a leap of faith and we do it because 
we have an intense love and a calling to present the truth. And so we use our resources to do just that. We've been blessed. And there will be people that say, you, you just sound like a rinky-dink organization. Well, think what you will. But I've been in media my entire life, and I can tell you this, it ain't bad. Could it be bigger? Could it be better? Yes. But what would it take to get there? And is it worth the cost? And I'm not just talking about dollar and cents. I'm talking about what would we have to give up? For instance, if I wanted to get out and promote this show or this website to some of the major media companies, what's the first thing that what I would have to commit to? Allowing them to determine what we say, what we avoid, what we print, what we broadcast. And I'm just not going down that road. Roger Stone just told you he's 68. I'm 68. Um, he's going to, I don't know when his birthday is, but he, he was born in 1952. I was born in 53. That means he's got a, a birthday coming up here pretty soon. We've been out there, both of us, him in the DC big political circuit for his entire professional career. Thankfully, I have not. I too, like him have always been a conservative. I got in radio when I was 15 years old. My, uh, speech teacher in high school, was the news director of a small South Louisiana town radio station. And uh, I was looking for a part-time job. I needed a way to earn a buck or two. And he, uh, I told him about it. And a couple of days later, he said, hey, after school today, why don't you come down to the radio station? They're looking for somebody. I thought they needed somebody to clean up. So I go down there and I'm waiting in the lobby. And um, a man comes out and says, hey, introduced himself and said, come with me. We walk down this hallway, and he opens a door and walks in, and it's a studio. And he hands me a couple of news stories and puts me in front of a microphone and says, hey, read these stories. Well, I did, and they recorded them. I still have that tape, my initial broadcast audition tape in 1968. That's a long time ago, folks. And I've been in broadcast for a long time. I'm circling back, as Jen Psaki said, to tell you, we're not going to do a video thing here. I just don't feel, and never say never, but at this point, I don't feel like it's something we want to do. We've been approached by a Christian network to um, that does talk radio in their daytime programming, and uh, they like what we do. They like the results. They know who we are, and uh, they've started talking to us about doing a show there. I'm not going to say never. But I'm going to say, you know, something I need to pray about, think about deeply, because I think right now we're doing what we're supposed to do. Roger Stone is in the same place. Can you imagine? He's got a, his wife has got stage four cancer. I mean, really serious stuff, folks. And then he's had all of this stuff piled on top of him. He's been put in jail and he didn't do anything. And it's just Story after story after story, layer after layer after layer. Most people would just roll over and die facing this horror that Roger Stone has and his wife, his family have been dealing with now for years. I mean, the entirety of the Trump administration, why is it all happening to him? Have you ever looked in any circumstances in your life and said, God, Why is this happening to me right now? I didn't deserve this. I didn't do anything for this. Sometimes bad things happen. 
to good people. And sometimes when they happen, there's no explanation for it. Don't like to hear that. Don't like to think that. But sometimes that's the case. And so what are we going to do? We're going to either quit or keep moving forward. Um, I just got a note from, I, I haven't even looked at that. Let me see if I can pull it up here. I think she sent it in Messenger. Let me look real quickly. I'm not even going to tell you who it is unless I can find it and read it to you. I'm looking for Facebook Messenger. Is it there? Is it there? No, it's not there. So it obviously has to be in an email. It's one of those, you know, the instant notifications you get when um, somebody's sending you something. Um, Shoot! Here it is. Kelly Nelson, you read her stuff. She gives us great stories all the time. Here's what she said, and she's a good friend of Roger Stone. Great interview, and so nice that Dan is a host who lets the guests speak. I really love the guy. So many like to hear themselves rather than their guests. Thank you for telling the whole story. Love to you and Nydia. That's a message from Kelly Nelson to Roger Stone, and she copied it to me. When you get a compliment like that from somebody like that, it just makes you feel like you're doing the right stuff. You're in the right place. You have the right things going on. And folks, I learned a long time ago. I'm an entrepreneur. I pushed hard. I tried things. I worked hard. I I wanted to be a success, uh, not in just business, but my family. Marianne and I have been married 46 years, three kids, six grandkids. We're, We're all healthy. We're doing good, and God is leading us, and we're being blessed. We're a long way from laying down. Roger and Nydia Stone are a long way from laying down. Nobody's quitting. Somebody once told me that losing a game or losing a battle or losing a challenge, that doesn't mean you're a loser. When you quit, that means you're a loser. So we're just going to keep on trucking, putting one foot in front of the other foot and just keep on trucking. What else is going on around us, folks? We could spend another two hours today just going through it. One thing I wanted to point out is it looks like American voters have pretty much turned away from President Joe Biden. A poll, Rasmussen poll, that's who we quote here at TNN Live. A poll yesterday reported that 62% of likely voters believe that Congress should investigate this entire process of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and how it was handled. 28% are against that investigation. 10% aren't sure. But 62% of voters smell something in the air that's not good, and they want it investigated. Broken down by political affiliation, that's 62% breaks out this way, 80% are Republicans, 47% Democrats, 59% are unaffiliated, and they think that Congress should investigate. The tide is turning against this president, and it's not against Joe Biden on a personal basis. It's what he's doing. We need to stop electing people because we like the people. We need to start electing every leader at every level, local, state, and federal, 
for the job they do. If they're doing a good job, we need to go back to what the Bible says. If you do the right things, and I'm paraphrasing what the Bible says, if you're if you're loyal and honest and you do your best work and you do the right thing in little areas, you're going to be given a chance to do the same process in bigger areas. Faithful over little things is what the Bible says. God will make you Lord over big things. We need to get back to that. We need to be looking at the substance of the people for whom we vote. Not what they say, not what the letter after their name is, R or D or I, Republican, Democrat, or Independent. And look at the content of what they do rather than the content of what they say. That is a wrap on the week here at TNN Live. I want to say you are the best audience, the best readers on the planet. And for those of you that listening in from other places on planet Earth, thank you for caring about what's going on here in our country and giving a rip. Don't forget Bullet Point Saturday, highlights of the week, and a whole lot more. Have a great weekend, folks. We love you.